This is Listen Again with the Bridge, your opportunity to hear Sunday's message. We hope you enjoy listening, and it all starts right now. Will you do me a favor? Can we just bow our heads for just a moment? And here's what I want to ask before we even dive in is just as Heidi had a moment where God placed something in her heart, placed someone in her heart that she wondered about. My question to you is, is there someone in your life that maybe you need to write a letter to? Maybe you need to make a phone call, send a text message. I want you to really truly think about that for just a moment before we dive in. God uses these moments and he uses people That's why the scripture says that we overcome our fear, we overcome our anxiety by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And Heidi's testimony could be the very thing that gives you the faith to believe that your words could make a difference in someone's life. So Father, right now I pray that if you have placed a name, a person, maybe two or three people in someone's life that they need to speak to, God, that they would have the confidence, the boldness, the faith to do what you've called them to do. And Lord, as we are in this service today, we don't just show up to to hear a message, walk out the same. Lord, we are changed by what we hear, by what we receive from you on these days. And I pray that we are changed today, that we are challenged and that we are encouraged. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. Welcome. Today we are in a second part, the last part of a series that we're doing called Now and Later. And the whole idea of this, I'm hoping that, yes, they're just simple candies. Some of you maybe grow up eating, eating these like I did. Uh, I used to have them in class every, every day as a junior high student. I remember our school sold them in packs of six, and, and that's how we had them. But the whole name itself, now and later, meant to suggest that a customer might, or might have one now, but then they're going to want another one later. And as we mentioned last week, the chewy texture of these also suggests that if you're eating one now, you're also gonna be chewing on it later because it takes a while to get through it. And so again, just to try to keep that in your mind of now and later, I'm gonna give this away at the end of the service. So now you can start to decide how many you think are in there and later we're gonna find out just how many come in a tub of now and laters and you can walk home with that, not sharing it with anyone but yourself if you want. That's fine with me. Sometimes life happens like this. We experience something now that doesn't totally make sense. And we're wondering why in this now moment am I going through this? But later we look back and we're like, it all lines up now. God was in in the midst of this. He was doing something in our lives. And we find ourselves sometimes even chewing on it for a while before we get to the later Now, this is not just the storms of life. There's a reason I wanted to show Heidi's testimony this morning. It's because sometimes God is calling us to do something, to say something, to be something. And he's doing that in a moment and it doesn't totally make sense. It's taking us out of our comfort zone and we don't like the feeling. And we're like, God, what are you doing in me? What are you telling me to do? Why would you ask me to do this? It's gonna take me out of things that I'm comfortable doing, but later it's all gonna make sense, just like we heard from Heidi this morning. 
And there's a perfect scripture for this. We read it last week and we're gonna read it again today. It's 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And I'm reading from the New Living Translation, but I'm gonna have you help me just like you did last week. Now, everybody say now. We see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then, as in later, everybody say later. We will see everything with perfect clarity. Don't we like those moments? It's always nice when it all adds up and we're like, ah, I get it. And he says, all that I can know now, everybody say now, is partial and incomplete. But then, as in later, there you go, I've got half of you, as in later, there we go. I know everything completely just as God knows me completely. Man, this sets up a tension in our lives because we feel ourselves in this now and we're going, why? Why do I have to be here? I wanna be there. I wanna get to the later. Now, just to remind you of what we talked about last week. In, in our minds, sometimes when we're in these situations of now, we think all we gotta do is just wait on God. We're gonna trust him and God will just do something about it, but we just sit and wait. We don't have to do anything. You're wrong. We can be doing something in the now. We should be doing something in the now. We talked about four things that we can be doing in the now that will get us to later. If you didn't hear last week's sermon, you can go back and check it out. But the first one is know God's word. If you know God's word, it's going to lead you through the now. It's what's gonna get you through when you can go back to what scripture tells us and live out those scriptures. But it's important that you understand the second one because the second one is commit to doing God's will. Sometimes we can know God's word. We might even know his will, but we're not willing to do it. It sounds good, but it's really not what I wanna do. It's gonna take me again out of my comfort zone. Brings us to point number three. We have to trust God's ways, not just our ways. Isaiah tells us, as the heavens are higher than the earth, my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. God knows what he's up to and he knows what he's doing. But in the now, the fourth thing we need to understand is we have to ask for God's wisdom. That he will lead us through the now to get us to later. Now I wanna look at a story this morning in Matthew chapter 14. If you've been around church at all, maybe you grew up going to Sunday school, then you've heard this story many times. This is like one of the top 10 stories in the Bible. If this is your first time or maybe first few times you've been at church, you came on a great day because you get to hear a really cool story. It all comes from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33, and we're gonna read it right now. And let's check out this story of how the disciples found themselves in the now. Verse 22, it says, immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on mountainside by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So what we're talking about here is the Sea of Galilee. It's also known as the lake. It's referred to as a lake several times, but it's also the Sea of Galilee. I had the opportunity in 2019 to go over and, and stand on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Got to stand on the Mount of Beatitudes and, and see where Jesus spoke at some point and, and led people and all of this. And when you, when you look at the Sea of Galilee, you can see all the way across it. 
I mean, it's, it's incredible the view that you have up from the mountain and it's about 13 miles long. It's only about eight miles wide. Now I wanna kind of give you some context. Uh, historians believe when it says considerable distance that they believe they were about three or four miles out into the lake. And that's how far they had gotten. They didn't get very far and they're getting pushed away from the course that they're supposed to be taking because the waves are so heavy and they're so big. This would give you an idea of what their boat might have been. I've got some pictures back there. Philip, can you throw up? This was found in 1986. At the bottom of the sea, there was a drought that year. And because of that, this boat appeared and they pulled it up. This, I got to look at this. It's known as the Jesus boat. Now, please do not walk out of here thinking this is the boat that Jesus rode in, okay? When they found this, they dated it back to the time when Jesus was on the earth. So they really believe this is the kind of boat, they built a replica, and you can see the next picture. This is a replica of what that boat would look like. It was 27 feet long and about 12 and a half feet wide. And it gives you an idea, please don't think that this is exactly what they were in, but it gives you an idea of what kind of boat, there's another picture I think, there it is, standing away from it. That's the kind of boat that the disciples might've been in at this moment, fighting the wind and the waves heading across the sea. Jesus had sent the disciples across the Sea of Galilee and Jesus comes to them in what is called the fourth watch of the night. That means just before dawn, which means they had been out there all night long fighting the wind and the waves. They're pounding against the boat, they're pushing them off course and they're trying to row back just to keep themselves on course and get to where Jesus had sent them to go. It reminds me of a moment my wife and I had just a couple of years ago. During COVID, we got the idea that we would uh, buy some kayaks and we'd have a little fun. Before we bought them, I borrowed a couple from Mark Goodridge and I took Courtney on a couple of kayak outings. And one of those wound up to be out at Bilby Lake. And we started out in a cove and we're just, you know, just rowing around. I'm doing a little fishing while she's just rowing and we're talking, we're having a great time. We decide to go out into the larger part of the water and for whatever reason, the wind decides to pick up in that moment. And even though it's just Bilby Lake, I gotta tell you, there was white capping. I mean, the waves were building up and when we finally decide we're gonna come back to the boat ramp and be done, those waves were just a little bit too much for Courtney. She's doing everything she can with her little arms, fighting it, trying to just row and get back to shore. And she's like, Chad, I'm not gonna make it. What did you do getting me out here in this water? And she's going off on me and calling me all kinds of names because I took her out into the Bilby Lake and I'm gonna kill her and she's gonna drown by taking in too much water. Am I wrong? <laughs> she didn't call me names, okay. Fair enough. I'm reminded of that because she was saying, what did you get me into? And at some point during the night, I'm sure the disciples turned to one another and they're going, who told us to get out here in the water and fight these waves like this? Well, Jesus did. Jesus sent them. The Bible says that he made them get into the water and sent them to the other side. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like God told you to do something and you find yourself in a situation? Maybe he wanted you to restore a relationship with someone who'd hurt you. 
And you're wanting to make that phone call because you know God's telling you to, but man, the wind and the waves are fighting you at all costs. Why would I wanna call them when they hurt me like they did? Why would God ask me to reach out to that person that I don't even like and try to witness to them? Why would God put me in a situation to start a new business Why would he encourage me to do this? And then now I'm looking at it going, is this even gonna make it? There's so many things in our lives when we find ourselves looking at it going, how did I even get here? Because you're in the now and it doesn't make sense. I want two encouraging things that that I hope will stick in your mind coming from this story. Two things, if you're in the now and you're in one of those moments and you're saying, how did I get here? Why would God ask me to do this? Number one, This is kind of an abstract sermon today. There's not gonna be like, you know, four points like last week. This is one of those where you can just take whatever you want, you can get from it, write it down, remember it, and walk out of here with it. That's gonna be on you. But two encouraging things we see about Jesus in this moment. He did not abandon the disciples and he will not abandon you. That was a great place for an amen. Let me try it. I'm gonna rewind here. He did not abandon the disciples and he will not abandon you. Man, you guys are on it today. That's awesome. Verse 25, shortly before the dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. Let's just try to think about that for a moment. They're fighting the wind and the waves and they're just trying to stay on course. They're wondering how they even got there. And all of a sudden, he comes walking on the lake. Who does that? When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they cry, in fear. They think it's a ghost. They're not thinking, oh, there's Jesus coming to save us. No, it's a ghost. They already had the storm to contend with. Can it get any worse? Sure, now a ghost shows up. Boy, this is a fun night. And all of a sudden, the storm inside their souls, the questions, the doubt, the worry and fear became worse than the storm on the water. They're freaking out. Where did the ghost come from and what's he doing here? And in that moment, Jesus chooses to calm the storm in the disciples first before he ever calms the storm on the waves. He calms the disciples. He says, hey, it's me. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Before he ever calmed the storm on the sea, He calmed the storm in their souls. And many times it's the same for us. We find ourselves in a storm in the now and all of a sudden the fear, doubt, worry, questions, they're pounding up against us like waves to a boat and the storm within our soul becomes greater than the storm in our circumstances. So if you're a note taker and you do wanna write something down, it's probably on the back of the bulletin for you. It might not be, but sometimes God will choose to calm the storm in our soul before he will calm the storm in our circumstances. But the good news is, second point, second part of this story that I love is there's no storm too great for Jesus. There's no storm Church, you need to hear that today. There is no storm too great for Jesus. Think of it this way. I love this thought. The very wind and waves 
that have the disciples gripping on for dear life, doing everything they can to row, to get back to course and to get where they need to be. The very storm that is tearing them up inside was the footpath that Jesus took to get to them. That's how much command he has over any storm in your life. Whatever you think is so big that you can't even control, can't handle, you think it's taking you under, that could be the very footpath that Jesus uses to come and save you. There is no storm too great for our Jesus, whatever you're going through. So Jesus comes walking and he says, don't be afraid. And who's the one who's always got something to say, who's always willing to do something dumb? It's Peter, right? It's always Peter. Anybody ever know a Peter? Like in class, you know, there's like 10 seconds left to class and the teacher will say, any questions? And you're like, don't say a word. And there's this one kid. Yeah, I got a question. And you're like, no, we're getting out of here. That's Peter. He's that guy. Jesus is walking to them. And here's Peter in verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replies, tell me to come to you on the water. Now What? Why not Jesus come to the boat and calm the storm? No, he says, tell me to come to you. Peter knew that it's better to be with Jesus without a boat than to be in the boat without Jesus. So he's willing to go to Jesus. And Jesus said, come. He said, let's go, come ahead. And Peter got down out of the boat and walked on water coming toward Jesus. How amazing is that? We don't know if he got five feet or 50 feet. Who cares? He walked on water. Can you say that? (laughs) No, can you say that you've walked on water? Thank you for those who are listening. That is awesome. How many of us could truly say, I walked on water? But when he saw the wind, uh uh-oh, Man, he was doing good. He was being successful. He was walking through the very storm that all of them were afraid of. Peter is walking through it to Jesus. But then, but then when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. Man, if he had only just kept his eyes on Jesus. He might've been, you know, he's that one that's always saying something dumb, doing something crazy. I mean, he cut a soldier's ear off in the wrong moment. Jesus had to put it back on. He denied Jesus three times when he said he never would. He's that guy, but at least he could say, I walked on water. He believed in Jesus enough to say, if he can do it, so can I. And so he got out of the boat And he walked on water, but all of a sudden, Peter had come to the end of his faith. Think about it. I mean, he's stepping on water. I can't even imagine. But all of a sudden, the faith was gone. And I wonder if you've ever been walking to Jesus right in the middle of a storm and you're going, you know what? It's the first watch of the night and it's okay. I got this. Jesus is by my side. We're gonna do fine. I'm just gonna keep walking to Jesus. But the second watch of the night comes and you're going, you know what? He's not here yet, but hopefully he's coming. The third watch. But by the fourth watch, you're going, I'm gonna drown. I need some help here. Who got me in this? Because you're in the now. And that's all you can see. All you can see are the circumstances around you. Peter still knew in the moment what to do. 
I mean, there, after all, there's nothing else to do but to cry out to Jesus. That's all he could do was, Lord, save me. I mean, he couldn't make his way back to the boat. He's sinking. So he cries out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus picks him up. In those moments, when you come to the end of your faith, when you begin to feel like you're sinking, cry out to Jesus. Cry out. He will be there to pick you up. That is who he is. Something maybe you might want to write down. I think this one is, it's on the back of the bulletin for you. You can have it right there. Unbelief or a lack of faith puts our circumstances between us and Jesus. Whatever it is, if it's wind and waves, if it's something he called you to do, if it's a new job you're supposed to be taking on, whatever it might be, that lack of faith begins to put that thing between you and Jesus. However, faith puts Jesus between you, excuse me, puts Jesus between you and the circumstance. Faith brings Jesus into the picture to where you can keep your eyes on him. Keeping your eyes on him is gonna get you to later. Keeping your eyes on him is gonna allow you to get through the now. Peter began to sink. Yes, he began to sink because he was sinking back into his old way of thinking as to when he was in the boat. His faith ran out. Why? Because he took his eyes off of Jesus. Verse 30 told us. It says, when he saw the wind... First, they saw the ghost. Jesus sets their mind at ease. He says, it's me. It's Jesus. I'm out here on the water. I'm coming to you. And Jesus says, if it's you, I'll come to you. But all of a sudden, he saw the wind. He was afraid and began to sink. Peter took his eyes off of Jesus. We said this last week, but I want to say it again. You see, we sometimes put our faith in the outcome of what we want instead of putting our faith in God. And it's in the moments, in the now, that you need to keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on him and he will get you to the later. Not keeping your eyes on, this is what I want out of this. This is what I hope to get out of this. No, you keep your eyes on him. He will take you where you need to go and he will take you deeper than you've ever been. Remember, unbelief puts our circumstances between us and Jesus, but faith puts Jesus between us and our circumstance. It's the difference between walking on water and sinking in despair. Think about it. It's the difference between walking on water or sinking in despair. It's where you are focused. Is your focus on the wind and the waves or is it on Jesus? And whatever we focus on in life will either feed our faith or it's gonna feed our fear. Which will it be for you? It's a popular song. Came out about 10 years ago, actually. 2013, I went back and looked. We used to sing it here quite often. It's called Oceans. And Oceans is a great, the, 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 the chorus, I knew I'd get there. The chorus to that song is perfect for this message today. And I wanna read these words to you. The chorus to Oceans says, Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Sometimes our trust only goes so far. Again, we can trust God in the first watch of the night, the second watch, but by the fourth watch, we're going, okay, I gotta take matters into my own hands. 
Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Help me walk upon the waters wherever you will call me. Man, that sounds good, but man, is that difficult. Wherever you will call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Love those words. Those last two lines remind me of now and later. Those last two lines, what's it say? Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander now. Why? My faith will be made stronger in the presence of Jesus for later. It's what's gonna get me to later, but it's also going to help me later because I see what he was doing in the now. Because of what Peter went through, Years later, he was able to encourage other believers. If you have your Bible today, I want you to turn here. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. If you don't have a Bible, man, if you use your phone, highlight it, mark it, text yourself, whatever you got to do. Great scripture for now and later. The same Peter that walked on water and understood who Jesus was in that moment and saw what Jesus was doing and lived to talk about it later, wrote these words. He's gonna encourage other believers. First Peter chapter one, verses six and seven. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. There's that word, ahead, as in later. Yeah, there's wonderful joy later, even though you must endure many trials now. And there's that chewing on it part. It says, for a little while. It may not just happen like that. You may be in the now for a while. You may have to chew on it, but later's coming. Verse seven, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It's being tested as fire tests and purifies gold. Through your fa- though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. I love this. So when your faith remains strong through many trials now, It will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world later. I love it. Thank you for that amen. I love it. He's saying, hey, you're gonna have some trials, but don't worry, I've been there. I've seen trials. I've been out on the lake and the wind and waves coming and it looks like a ghost is showing up, but these are just momentary circumstances. They're going to refine your faith and it's going to become greater when Jesus Christ is revealed. You know what gives Peter such conviction and such passion as he wrote these words? It's because he had been picked up where his faith ended. He had been picked up in the moment where he ran out of faith. Jesus carried him to a new and deeper place of relationship with him. So Jesus is on the water. Peter says, if it's you, let me come. Jesus says, come. Peter's sinking. He's out there, but he's sinking. Verse 31 tells us, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Now we love this story because Jesus came walking on the water at just the right time. You know what I like to think about? The very place where Jesus was standing 
on the mountain. I say very place, it was a pretty big mountain. I don't know that I stood where Jesus stood, okay? But when I was standing on that mountain, I could see all the way across the lake. I wonder, was Jesus watching him the whole time? That is not in scripture. This is me wondering. Did he know all along what they were doing? Was he watching them? Maybe there was a light on the boat. I don't know. Could he see exactly what they were doing as they were trying to cross the lake? Again, we love the story because Jesus came to them in that moment. He calmed the storm in their souls first. We love the story because Peter actually walked on water. How cool is that? But even when his faith ran out, Jesus was there to pick him up. We love that part of the story, but there's another miracle in the story. The moment they stepped into the boat, the winds died down. He didn't say a word. He didn't wave his hand. That's not what's recorded anyway. It says the moment they stepped into the boat, the winds died down. storm had knocked him around for hours and all of a sudden it just passes. See in our lives many times when the storm has served its purpose it passes. It may not be in our timing and we were asking for it in like the second watch of the night but all of a sudden it passes. And what was the purpose in this storm? Why did they have to fight the wind and waves all night long? Look at verse 33. Then those who were in the boat, those who were in the boat. Now let's rewind here. Verse 22 told us, Jesus told the disciples, get in the boat and go to the other side. So those who were in the boat would be the disciples. What does it say? Those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly you are the son of God. That blows me away. I mean, how long have they been with him? How many miracles have they seen him do? Yet in this moment, they worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. I mean, he, yes, he walked on water. He saved Peter in that moment. He, the, the wind and the waves obeyed him the moment he sat in the boat. This is the first time recorded where all 12 disciples in one voice unequivocally proclaimed Jesus as the son of God. Yes, they'd seen him heal people. Yes, they'd seen him feed 5,000 people before, but this was different. This one was personal. This was their life on the line. It was them in the middle of the storm, not watching him help somebody else. And as soon as he calmed the wind and the waves, they worshiped him and said, truly you are the son of God. They found themselves in the midst of the storm and Jesus saved them. There's purpose in our storms. There's purpose in our questions, our fear and our anxiety in the now. They serve an eternal purpose for the deepening and strengthening of our faith for later. So what is it for you? Is it your marriage? Is it your job? Or is God just asking you to step out of your comfort zone? Speak to someone about God. 
Is there someone he's put on your heart that you've been feeling for quite a while and maybe today's testimony video was just enough to give you the faith to say, this is the person I need to talk to. You know that night on the lake, the disciples experienced Jesus in a way that no one else ever had. And it happened because of the storm. Had it not been for the storm, they wouldn't have been able to experience that. You will never be closer to God than when he displays his goodness and his power in the storm of your life, when it becomes personal, when it affects your life. In the middle of the storm, in our darkest times, what we need is for Jesus to come among us and reveal his presence and his power in our lives to not only calm the storm in our souls, but also to calm the storm in our circumstances. Will you bow your heads with me? I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what you're dealing with in the now. Maybe the waves are crashing up against the boat and you've been fighting and it feels like the fourth watch of the night. And your faith is running pretty thin. You're asking yourself, how did I even get here? What's the purpose in this storm? My prayer is that God will take you deeper than your feet could ever wander and that your faith, your faith, not not your spouse's faith, not someone else's faith, but your faith will be made stronger in the presence of your Savior. Father, that's my prayer for every single one of us in the room. Lord, this is not a raise my hand and make a commitment day. This is a, I'm opening my heart, every single one of us in the room. No one can do it for us. It has to be our choice to say, God, I want you to take me deeper than my feet would ever wander. Take my faith and make it stronger by being in your presence right here, right now. Yes, I might be dealing with something. It may be a huge storm in my life and I'm, I've been focused on those circumstances. I've been focused on the wind and the waves and I've taken my eyes off of you. God, I pray that our focus would be brought back to you. God, if our faith has ran out and we feel like we're sinking, Lord, that you would come along and just pick us up. for more testimonies to come. 
just as Heidi was willing to take a step of faith, do something you called her to do. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to do that. Lord, that you would get us through some storms and as we do, Lord, that we would begin to share what you brought us through. That we would be willing to talk about how you picked us up when our faith was weak and you carried us the rest of the way. You took care of us. You got us to later. Lord, for those moments when it doesn't make sense and we're willing to take that step of faith and do what you've called us to do, God, that we would see the other side of that. That we would see the later. And God, we would have a testimony of another life changed, another person brought to you because we were willing to do what you called us to do. Take us deeper than our feet would ever wander. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.